Hello and welcome to the Unbroken Ground. Thank you for joining me once again. This is season two, episode four. The title is I Don't Want to Go to Hell. Uh, and it uh, stems from a conversation I was having with uh, one of the students that um, I was uh, speaking with after uh, chapel. Um, it's a little bit of that, but also just uh, continued thinking through as last, last week talking about how to share the gospel or what we would consider the gospel. And, and this week is a little, little deeper dive into kind of my history with that, that um topic and subject, uh, but also a little bit of thinking through, well, what is it that Jesus said um, in the Bible? What does Jesus say about eternal life and life after death and things like that? Um, a little bit of touch on that, but also just what he doesn't say and and um, and a little bit of the, the background of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And uh, so, yeah, I hope that you are willing to, to sit through that and listen to that and also be challenged by that, uh, that you'd be blessed uh, by that content. And uh, yeah, yeah, let me know what you think. You can always, as as always, you can send an email at theunbrokenground at gmail.com as well as Instagram or um, also um, on Facebook forward slash the unbroken ground. Uh, so hope you enjoy. Let's jump in. I don't want to go to hell. That was um, a statement that a, a student uh, made to me as I was talking to him after uh, a Saturday night um, uh, chapel um, this this past weekend, and it it just reinforced on me as something I've been thinking about. That obviously last week we talked about how would you present the gospel, uh, but it reinforced something in me that um, helps helps me to look back on how I was. Uh, brought up into faith and um, how I how that has shifted for me and and why um, and I think that uh, it is very much has to do with the fact that we as Christianity have gone through some um, at least the American culture um, has gone has gone through some major shifts uh, in things like belief and understanding and logic and how all of that works together and um, especially in my uh, younger days, um, we shifted to this idea of with, with with the attacks that were coming from things like evolution and science and and uh, secularism, um, secular sec, secularism, easy for me to say, um, from the secular world um, that we shifted out of trying to to be um, any kind of dialogue in those areas, and instead really focused on uh, an area that science couldn't even distinctly speak into, which is what happens after death. Like, what do you have a soul? And, and so um, evangelical efforts even became very much focused on what's the condition of your soul when you die. Um, and almost to the neglecting of the rest of the, the time you have on the earth, um, neglecting a whole chunk of the gospel, uh, including the things that Jesus says at times, um, and just focused on that. How do you have salvation? And, and growing up the way that I grew up, um, it definitely was this idea that um, you needed to get children saved, uh, or at least youth, um, because there was studies that showed that if, if people had not made a confession of faith by the time they left high school, uh, they were way less likely to um, 
change their minds or make a confession of faith. And I, I think part of that has to do with what we were so focused on um, because we found that it worked. And that was, what is the what will be the condition of your soul? And so the way that it worked was um, you would uh, bring uh, your best emotional um, persuasion to a situation and you would tell uh, whoever was listening. Um, a lot of times chapel would sing songs and then, and then the speaker would be like, you know, if you die tonight, if you don't know, um, if you're, if you, you have salvation, then, then you, you've got to do that. You've got to, you got to say the prayer. And, and we focused a lot about walking the, the walking down to the altar and saying the prayer, which again, some of that comes from scripture. I mean, Romans definitely says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Lord, then he, you can have his salvation. Um, and so saying the prayer was basically just a more standardized way of doing that. Um, admitting that you're a sinner, believing that, Jesus, that Christ died for you and making him Lord of your life, con- committing um, ABCs right there. Uh, one of the ways that I learned how to share the gospel when I was in, in high school and college was the ABCs. Admit you're a sinner, believe in the Lord Jesus as Christ, as Savior, and C, commit your life to him. And, and we focused uh, our evangelical efforts almost just solely on that. Again, because um, when you when you begin to try to argue in the, the realm of things like science and evolution, um, you, you ran into this buzzsaw of um, people who had better answers. Um, and, and mostly that's because the book of Genesis is not written as a science book. It's not written as an explanation of truly how all things got here. Instead, it is a theological book, and it's talking about what a creator does. And it's a story. It's a story of what the creator does. And what and and so um, because we were retreating from those areas, um, we became super focused on um, learning how we could best use that one area that there just is not an argument for. Because the truth is that science ends. Uh, it doesn't know. It doesn't. It doesn't know what happens after death, uh, or nothing happens. And and so then we would say we we have that classic argument that says, well, you know, if you um, if you're right and nothing happens after death, um, then if let's say that I I live my life for God and and that's false and nothing happens after death, then I don't lose much. But if I'm right and you don't um, have make make a commitment to Jesus and you die, then you go to hell. Uh, like that was the, that's the argument. And, um, it's just very interesting. (coughs) Excuse me. It's just very interesting that, um, that's not how Jesus, um, proceeded. Uh, that's not, that's not what Jesus actually didn't talk a whole lot about eternal life. He didn't, um, he didn't go to his followers and say, Hey, Matthew, um, if you want eternal life, come follow me. No, he just said, come follow me. And, and, um, the things he talked about were how do you live out life right now, right here on this earth? How, how do you bring the kingdom? Now, 
I, I truly believe that what he's talking about is that he means that you can have eternal life and it begins now and it continues on through eternity. And, and the way that you do that is through following Jesus. And the only way you can restore that relationship with Jesus is through his sacrifice on the cross. And the opposite of that is hundred percent separation from God and separation from God is death. It's, it's hell. Um, but Jesus is not inviting people to say a prayer. Jesus is not inviting people to say a prayer and then move on. What he's inviting people to is to be his apprentice, to be his follower, to walk in his footsteps. Um, to have the dust. Rob Bell does a, a great, um, back when he was doing Numa, he does a great um, talk about the fact that the what they what they would say is that may the dust of your rabbi rest on you meaning that you walked in their footsteps that you followed after them and and that's the goal is as many christ little christ is what we were called christians and we still called that that we were that we were just small representatives or a reflection of who jesus was is that we would walk in the same way but somewhere in there somewhere in there um in our world uh we got it got so um, effective, I think. It was so successful to talk about hell and, and where you were going and, and um, create a, an emotional um, response to a very, um, a very thing that a mental, you can't really argue out of, uh, you know, what ifs and all these things. And and it and it kind of became the trump card of how do we get people to understand what we're what we're ultimately talking about, and we we emphasized uh, salvations and baptisms, um, and we still, uh, for the most part, haven't figured out how we can celebrate. Um, discipleship and growth in following Jesus. And, and here's the truth. Here's the truth that I've heard a long time ago, and I, I, think it's, I still think it's true, is that what we celebrate, we will do. What, what we celebrate, we will do. So if you celebrate baptisms and, and, and um, salvations, which you should, not saying you shouldn't, but if you celebrate those, you make those the things that you truly celebrate and you talk about and you focus on that, then we will continue to do that. If you don't have that same kind of celebration for things like discipleship, then you'll fall short on that. And so what happened is, is that we began to see ministries just bloom and blossom as they, they and, and, and the way that we saw them doing that was through baptisms and um, salvations. And then we, we measured that. Um, actually, that's a number of baptisms for sure. Um, I mean, growing up in the uh, the South as a Southern Baptist, that's for sure. But then it was actually baptisms, then it was budgets, and then it was buildings. Uh, that's how you knew you were really making it is when you could brag about your budget or brag about your building. Um, and then you also had a number of baptisms, high number of baptisms. And and so what, what it creates, though, um, with all that celebration is that that we do miss a little bit, I think, on the end of what Jesus is saying to be what it means to be his follower. Um, so, for ex for for example, as I, as I said earlier, Jesus doesn't come to Matthew. He doesn't come to James and John. He doesn't come to Andrew. He doesn't come to, to, to Peter and say, hey, 
Are you, what do you guys think about eternal life? How would you like to, to live forever? How would you like to know the condition of your soul after you die? He doesn't say those things. He says, come follow me. Come, come be my apprentice. Now, it is, it's interesting to think about this, but um, because uh, he chooses, he, he spends um, time in prayer before he chooses these 12 disciples. He, he's, he's intentional about who he's choosing. But what we must, one of the things I think is so amazing about this is that he's not, he's not choosing people that, that he's, he's given the, the, you know, the ABC of, of the Gospels to. And, and actually what he's doing, he's going to people, and in some cases, he's going to people who the, 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 his contemporaries, his, the people, the religious people of his days would have seen as um, undesirable. Um, if, if you wanted to follow a rabbi... Um, in Jesus's day, uh, and again, this is a lot of this. I think I'm pulling from new old pneumatics uh, for with Rob Bell. But if you wanted to be a rap, if you wanted to follow a rabbi, the first thing you had to do was just memorize um, the first five books of the Bible. And, and once you got that down, then if you were good enough at that, if you could, if you're accurate enough at that, then you would begin to uh, memorize the whole rest of the Old Testament. Um, and um, that was the opening test um, to whether you could be the student of a rabbi. Um, and there likely were, just as there's all systems, there were um, some students who got in because their parents had money. Um, there were some students who just didn't, didn't get in because their parents didn't have money. And, and, but in, in between there, there was this whole prestigious thing of saying like, well, if, if God really wants you or God has created you to do this, you'll do it because you'll just, it'll shine through. But I'm sure, um, that was not always the case that, that there were politics that, that went into it, um, that there were, um, backdoor deals, that there were, uh, little, uh, exchanges of currencies, uh, that happened under the table. Um, all that to say, all of the followers that Jesus picks um, to be his disciples are probably rejected um, students who wanted to go to be rabbis, who wanted to go to follow a rabbi. Uh, and, and he calls them um, to be his students. And, and so I don't want us to miss this. There's this uh, destruction of a system that I don't want us to miss in that. Um, Jesus calls the unqualified, the poor, the, the, the non-righteous, the, those, the tax collectors and the sinners to be his followers. And because they follow him, he changes, it changes everything about their life. But it wasn't, it's not, it's not the opposite of that. It's, it's not the opposite of, um, that, that he chose people who were ready to be his followers because they were ready to step into um, his, the life he has for them. So if you think about that, what, what Jesus is inviting people into is a undeserved apprenticeship. He's inviting them into a relationship that they... They haven't earned that they they don't have any 
credentials that they they don't have the bona fides for. They they would if somebody like when when so so in, in the book of Acts, when when um, Peter and John go to preach in the into the at the temple, what do the religious people say about them? They say, "Who are these uneducated fools who are speaking?" They don't, they, who, who, they, they don't, they don't, they don't have any of the knowledge to be a, a follower of a true rabbi. They, they are uneducated. They are foolish. They, they, how can they speak? And, and of course, Peter responds and Jay and, and John respond and they say, we, we, all we know is that we preach Jesus. We preach Jesus. And that's all that we know. Um, we don't, we don't know all the, um, finer theological arguments that you guys probably do. We don't know all of the law like you do, but what we do know, and this echoes uh, another prayer uh, or another person in, in John, but what we do know is we know Jesus and Jesus resurrected. Bam. That's all they needed to know to be rabbis in the kingdom. Jesus and Jesus resurrected. And, and they were they were being called to create something to bring the kingdom about um, on this earth now um, and and not just a um, a holding pattern to say oh you've been called on to into this place but but you're just here waiting for God to come back that's all that you're doing you're just waiting for God to come back don't worry about all the other stuff don't worry about how you live your life don't go don't go about your life you're just waiting for God to come back. And of course, that has been happening um, since Jesus died. Since Jesus, well, since Jesus rose from the grave and went back up to heaven, people have been anticipating his return. And part of that anticipation, especially if you've been around the evangelical church in the last year, is this idea, not year, but years, in the last couple of years, 10 to 15 years, really, even more than a couple. If you've been around those type of churches, if you've been in, in the, their evangelism class, what they focus on is, do you want to go to hell? How do you get out of hell? How do you, how do you avoid going to hell? And that's, and that's where they start. Because it is the it is the place that science and technology have yet to touch, and 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 their and and our souls long to know what it's like um, to to um, to be restored to be um, in this type of relationship that no longer has death. And so, um, it is, uh, and, and it is the way, it is the culture that we have preached for so long. And one of the things that just strikes me is that, uh, the invitation, um, the invitation from Jesus, again, is it's not, um, it's not a, do you want to, do you want to live forever kind of invitation? It's a, Hey, I want to restore the relationship. You aren't worthy. You, there's nothing you can do. You're not a priest. You're not a rabbi. You are just broken individuals who failed out of rabbi school, who failed out. You flunked out of languages. You flunked out of memorizing the Old Testament. But I, I want you to follow me. You follow me. And, and the disciples said, yeah. And I said I was reminiscent to another story in John, and, and I, it's, it's it's another fascinating story. 
because Jesus is feuding with the religious people. And so on the Sabbath, he sees uh, a blind man and he says, do you want to be healed? And, and the blind man says, Jesus, I'm the blind guy here, but I mean, even I can see that I want to be healed. I'm, I'm here in this, this temple. I'm here next. I lay next to this, this pool. So when the water stir, I can get up and try to get in there, but I'm not fast enough. I don't have friends. Um, I, I can't. Um, and so Jesus says, all right, be healed and take your mat and go. And so the religious people got mad because he, he picked up his mat. So they begin to question, who healed you? Who told you to carry your mat? You're doing work on the Sabbath. How dare you? And the guy was like, look, here's the deal. I don't know your rules, but what I do know is this. I was blind and now I see. I was broken. I couldn't see things. And, and now I do. So that's what I know. Like, does he come from God? He healed me. He has to have come from God. He must have come from God. And, and of course, the, the, the religious people hated hearing this because he was like, well, do you want to be his disciples too? It's pretty amazing. I think you would. And they're like, no, no, no. He, he told you to carry that mat on the Sabbath. He can't be really from God. They, they called his parents and they said, is this your son? Like, like maybe they're like, maybe that, maybe it's a trick. They, we found somebody that looked like the guy, but he can see he didn't really get healed because it, it doesn't fit into my theological boxes. What the religious leaders were saying that, that if, if this person, um, is healing people, then that kind of legitimizes his claims about who he says he is. And, and so if you're going against that, then, then you have to find a reason why. So they called his parents and his parents said, hey, all we know is that that's our son. He was blind and now he can see. He was born blind, now he can see. That's all we know. We, we don't have any other answers because they were afraid that they were going to get kicked out of the synagogue. Um, they were going to get kicked out of the family because they were going against the religious leaders if they said anything more. So then they're like, my, my son, he's old enough to speak for himself. You, you question him. And, and I think that um, it's, it's so, so, so telling that those who should have the most information, who, who should be able to understand what was going on the best, totally, totally, totally missed the point. Because it's, it's not about the rules of the, of the Sunday Sabbath or the Saturday Sabbath or the sundown Sabbath. It's not about those rules. It's about the heart behind things. And, and you can do, you can, you can keep all the rules. You can, you can keep all the rituals. You can do all the hand washing. You can do all of that. But if, if your heart isn't given over to Jesus and make him Lord of your life, then it doesn't matter. Um, Jesus described it this way. He said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. He goes, you, you paint the outside of the tomb. It looks so beautiful, but on the inside, you're dead. You got nothing. He says, you're like, a, you're like a person who drinks from a cup, but all they ever do is wash the outside and they never clean out the nasty, moldy inside. It looks good on the outside, but it's going to taste bad in the inside. And, and so here, here's what I would say. Here's where I, where I, would, where I land. 
is that salvation is being saved from something, which is death and separation from God because of our sins. It is being saved from something, but it's also being saved for something. And, and that's, that's what we spend the rest of our life trying to figure out. God, what is it that you want me to do? And, and what, what's so powerful that we, I think we've missed on because we have, we've retreated away from um, the idea of how one ought to live their life. We've retreated from that because we've lost in as far as the educational and logical standpoint arguments. A lot of times we've lost because we, we, we eventually get to a point where it's like, well, this is what we just have faith in. And the scientific world doesn't have room for faith, um, which is, which is not true that all scientists don't have, can't have faith, but, but when we're talking about trying to, you know, argue about faith and those type of things, um, we've lost it. So we, we, we retreat. And so, so people, possible disciples, don't see us live out his truth in the things that we do. Our kids, our friends, our coworkers, do they see the difference that Jesus makes in your life? Because that's what come follow me. That's what making you... Lord of my life, Jesus, that's what that means. And and if if we don't do that, if we're not able to do that, then that's when I feel like that's when, when God says, look, I've got some, um, I've got the instructions. I, I've got some ideas on how you might live uh, a quieter, easier life. Um, and, and it really just, like, God just placed on a lot of the things that just wreck our lives. Um, he's, he's like, those are sin, don't do those. Um, you're, you'll be better off. In fact, if you don't do those, because the opposite of those are things like, is like peace and joy and happiness and, and self-control and kindness and righteousness. It says, so you'll, you'll, you'll actually enjoy life more if you don't do those, if you don't do those things that are sinful. You'll actually, um, be blessed. You'll actually have more and more and better if you don't do the things that are sinful. Like, like this is how you should orient it in your life to be like Jesus. And, and, um, we'll often miss that because we are too busy, um, convincing people whether or not they're going, that we want to talk to them about whether or not they're going to be going to heaven or hell. It is a piece of the, of the whole equation, right? You can't just outright ignore it. I'm not saying that, but, um, when, when we make that the, the, the end all, the, the catch all, the end all, um, I, I think that it makes sense that people kind of walk away from faith, that people kind of um, decide that they got manipulated into making a decision and, and that decision isn't real. And honestly, that decision is not really making a difference in how they live their life. I mean, for a lot of people, a lot of Christians even, you go, okay, well, what difference does Jesus make in your life? Other than a lot of times it's like, oh, I, I pray more now. Or, oh, I, you know, I feel like I've got the, the God on, on, of the universe on my side and I pray, I communicate. But it, does it change the way you treat people? Does it change the way you talk? Does it change the way you act? Because if it doesn't, then I question what gospel it is. Because Jesus and Paul would say, follow me, follow me. And, and if you believe in a gospel that doesn't challenge you to follow Jesus, um, then, then I, will, I, I challenge you to, to re-examine what that gospel means. It doesn't mean you're not saved. Um, 
I believe that that God uses all types of different things in our lives to bring us to that place of salvation. Um, different denominations, different language, and so it doesn't mean you're not saved. Um, but but if it it may mean that you're off track, because God intends for you to live a life that is glorifying to Him, and and that is along the track of of, of where you're supposed to go. Um, and and you know it's kind of like the question about salvation. If you if you if you believe that nothing's going to happen, and um, that's true, and um, then then you don't lose much. But if but you know if you if if I believe that you're going to to Paris um, and 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 sal- without salvation, then it would be something I'd want to tell you about. I'd want to reach out to you. I'd want to to share that with you as much as you want that to be shared with you. But but in the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the question is not, do you believe that you deserve hell? Because the, the answer is yes, because we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And because we've all fallen short of the God, what we deserve is is unending punishment for our sins and our, our evil deeds and the things that we do. But the gift of God, so this is a gift, this is something that you can't earn, deserve, or... Um, even um, take any credit for, you receive it, the gift of God is eternal life. But that is life that begins now and, and continues on through all eternity. And, and so when, we, when we, we kind of make it small life, um, we do it a huge disservice. So my challenge for you this week, guys, is to, to think through what is it that you need to give up? What is it that you can give up? What is it that you uh, need to change about yourself um, in order to be able to say that you truly are every day following Jesus? What would it look like? His last challenge. What would it look like for you to to go all in on following Jesus? Um, not just salvation, not just a prayer you prayed, not just a baptism, not just a confirmation class, but 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 a desperate desire to chase after Jesus and be like Jesus is, uh, Jesus was, and continues to be uh, to those um, who need that encouragement. Um, That's the challenge this week. Um, Thank you guys for listening so much. Um, This has been a little bit different rambling through some things because I've been at camp and so sometimes it gets pretty long-winded at the end and I'm tired and I'm not sure what I'm saying. So thank you guys for sticking with me listening. Uh, I, I pray that you'll hear that challenge and, and take it and be able to speak to one or two people this week about what it means to to share the gospel. 